now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lips. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. I hope everyone that's listening brought their own beers because this is going to take a while and you're probably going to need it. (laughs) I... It's a bad week. What did did something happen? I don't know. No, no. I'm just being overly dramatic. Okay. <laughs> Trying to get more listeners in and teasing a little bit. For the record, Nick, last week you predicted people were going to jail. That's did I? You were right. Oh man, I don't even. I black out about halfway through. <laughs> that happened quick. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, beer is good. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> welcome back, guys. Barstool Politics. I'm your host, Nick McGuire. I'm joined, as always, by the man to my left, who has a nice new haircut, Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College, and the guy to my right in the computer screen who is opening his beer with a pair of needle-nose pliers, Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, guys. You do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> uh, before we get started, if you guys like the podcast, have questions, comments, beer suggestions, anything like that, um, follow us on Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Um, Beers that we try, you can find on the Untapped app on iOS and Android, so download us on there. Uh, we're just Barstool Politics. Uh, anything that we try is listed on there and reviews and whatnot. Um, the podcast itself, find on SoundCloud and Stitcher, uh, Google Play Music, most major podcasting platforms. Uh, vast majority of you are on iTunes, so um, review us on there, rate us on there, share us with people through there. Um, that helps tremendously. Uh, if you've been here over the past few weeks... We've been talking about a great new partnership with uh, the guys over at Predict It. Um, if you're asking what Predict It is, Nick, well, I'll tell you. Nice <laughs> indescript, uh, indis- yeah, indis- indescript person. I had three sips of beer. Um, people on the other end of the microphone listening through speakers. Uh, Predict It is a pretty much a real money political prediction market. You can think of it as a stock market for politics. So you can buy and sell shares in future political events. What's really good about this is that uh, the guys who predicted are offering Barstool Politics listeners a special deal. So any listener who uses the promo link uh, when opening up a new, a new account will receive up to a $20 match on their first deposit. That's free money, That's Nick. free money! <laughs> I get so animated about yeah. it every week because mm-hmm. I have no money, and free money is nice. Um, so yeah, but you have to use the promotional link. Um, if you open a $20 account, they'll match it up to $20. Use the promo link predictit.org slash promo slash barstool paul p o l two zero. That's predictit.org slash promo slash barstool paul twenty, uh, and you'll get your free money. And I know I've been using it over the past day or so, and there's been a lot of movement in those markets. I, I don't know about you guys, Phil. You said you were making money. I think I'm, I'm losing I'm, money. I'm in the positive finally. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was making the long play on all these things. It was it was really interesting. You know, Bill, you were talking. Last week or the week before about all the movement that happened around the the Ohio special election. 
that's the way I felt yesterday. I was watching all of the news break at four o'clock yesterday. And in the course of the 24 hours since yesterday afternoon, I had bet, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, one of the, one of the things I had bought was that uh, Trump would be impeached by the end of his first term. And my whole thought was that the value of, not that he was necessarily going to get impeached, but the value of that would go up if Democrats did well in the midterms. Mm -hmm. But in basically 24 hours since yesterday afternoon, I had bought it at 41 cents a share that he would get impeached. It's up to 52 or 53. Um, just in the last 24 hours, this huge 10 cent change. And, and I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this here in a few minutes, but now it's more, it's like 52 to 48 that he will be impeached by the end of his, his first term. I don't know how long that'll stick. I'm trying to decide if I should sell <laughs> that's now. That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> I, can't figure out. I mean, that's the beauty of predicted is that you can, at this point, you're up. You could sell your shares and make some money or you could hold on to them. And if you hold on to them, if you hold the winning uh, market or decision, you get, you get a dollar for each share. So what are you thinking? Are you going to sell or you think you're going to wait it out a little bit? You, you know, I mean, this suggests that there's some movement. I know. I, well, because I, 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 there's a temptation to sell because I made, you know, five bucks profit yeah. or whatever. But, <laughs> but I also get caught up in this, this thought that, hey, maybe it actually, maybe he actually will be impeached. So now I'm, I'm a victim of my own, uh, you know, uh, arguments that I'm making in my head here. Well, it is. You see the market shift as events change. Mm -hmm. And so just like polling, the what's going on at Predicted is reflective of where the country is at. Uh, I guess if, I, if, I, if you ask me if there was a 52% chance of Trump getting impeached by the end of his first term, I don't think so, which maybe, think, maybe means I should sell, huh? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Play, you've got to play the long game. Right. I, know. I know. To our listeners who uh, you know are, are maybe new to predict it, if you love politics, if you're a political nerd, if you love things like the NCAA tournament where you can make picks, I mean, this is this is kind of like the perfect world for political and sports nuts. You can get in there and for you know really low amounts too. I mean, you have, you know ten twenty dollars and you've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, investments all over the place, and it's fun to watch. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we've enjoyed. It's been a great fit for the podcast, and we're enjoying it. It's was, pretty addictive. I find myself yeah. going back and checking it far more than I. Thought I was. Yes. I was looking at some of the international stuff today. Yes, they were. Um, there were. There was one about whether Kim Jong Un was going to be uh, leading North Korea um, by the end of the year. I think it was ninety nine cents <laughs> uh, for yes and one cent for no. So I'm thinking about jumping in on that market because it seems like it's an emerging market. Nondescript. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. By the way, there's room for growth in at least you know half mm -hmm. of that. So yeah, yeah, if we could instigate some sort of coup over there, that would really help my portfolio. It'd be great. You know, there is something in Predict It where they're asking whether Trump is going to tweet about Predict It, which I think would be really fun <laughs> if they if they can bait him into doing that. Uh, uh, all right. Anyways, should we, should yeah. we dive into it? Yeah. I, I mean, before we even yeah. do this, yeah, we're going to take this a little differently. We're just going to try and slog through all the shit that's happened over the past 24 48 hours um speed round is out the speed window Speed round is out for now <laughs> um yeah so just drink along with us because i sure as shit will be drinking through most of this all right here we go so yesterday or so we're, we're on wednesday today yesterday this was a, a one-two legal punch for the history books gentlemen on tuesday august 21st the american public watched as president trump's former campaign chairman paul manafort 
was convicted by a federal jury in Virginia on eight counts of tax and bank fraud at the exact time, actually like two minutes apart, uh, a mere 200 miles away in Manhattan. Michael Cohen, Trump's longtime personal attorney, pled guilty also to eight federal charges. Eight was the special number yesterday. Conspiracy. Yes. Deep state. <laughs> Including campaign finance violations related to hush money payments made to porn actress Stormy Daniels. Cohen stated explicitly under oath that campaign finance crimes were made, quote, in coordination and at the direction of a candidate for federal office. I wonder, I wonder who that was. Any, in, individual one. Yeah. Individual <laughs> one. Yes, individual one. Before he became president of the United <laughs> That's States. Right. 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 <laughs> All right. So let's let this sink in. Trump's own lawyer accused him under oath of committing a felony related to the 2016 presidential election. That made for some stunning split-screen uh, viewing and put the President of the United States in unprecedented legal and political jeopardy. And if that wasn't enough, this week was also the week where it was revealed that White House counsel Don McGahn has had three interviews totaling 30 hours of conversation with the special counsel. Uh, the White House was apparently not fully aware of the extent to which Don McGahn had cooperated, and this prompted at least 15 angry Trump tweets over the weekend. Bunch of rats. <laughs> That's right. It was also the context for Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, stating that, quote, truth isn't truth in response to a question of whether the president <laughs> should sit down for an interview with Mueller. Oh, I love that. Truth isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. All right. Uh, Phil, where do, where do we start? I mean, we should methodically kind of go through this. Where, where do you want us to start? Because you're, you're a lawyer, right? <laughs> Yes, I play one on TV. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so, so much to talk about. I I feel like we have to start with the Cohen stuff. Yes. Right? I mean, that, yeah. that I think is the most significant. of uh, the, the Manafort stuff is big. It's important. It's significant. The, the, um, the McGann stuff is important. But yeah, the Cohen, what Cohen said in his, his um, guilty plea, basically, his plea bargain, really is unprecedented i don't i don't think that is i don't know that that's really necessarily setting in with lots of people the idea that he pled guilty to so five of the counts were tax evasion right something like four and a half million dollars over five years that he failed to disclose the other three three um charges the three counts that he pled guilty to were in some way so those first five were not directly related to trump I, i don't they might have in some way had to do with income that he earned working with Trump. But the other three were, um, one was lying in a loan application, essentially, um, which was a loan application that he used to get a $500,000 loan that he used, I believe to pay off. That was the money he used to pay off Stormy Daniels. Right. Um, just, just a home equity loan, just, right? Home, nothing to see here. <laughs> home equity right. loan. Oh yeah. Right. Just wanted to fix up the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but the other two were related to the payoff to Stormy Daniels, which was a campaign vi- uh, finance violation. And, the payoff to Karen McDougal, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a payoff that he made. It was the this was the National Enquirer, so yeah. it, was, it was leading the National Enquirer basically to to make an illegal campaign contribution. So it's their so, fault. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, um, that, but the, the the point though I think is that he he pled guilty to these things, and in doing so, said I think the the big headline the the guilty plea was big, but the big punch was the one that came after when he, he said that he did this at the direction of of the president essentially which it it's not just that he said it this is not just a you know my word versus his word thing 
he said it, but it, to, for it to be written in these legal documents that were filed, the prosecutors had to believe that it was it was, you know, there was enough evidence there to support this, that essentially they made an argument that they could have convicted him on these things. So the 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 you know these federal prosecutors essentially didn't not essentially they named the president as essentially an unnamed co-conspirator to commit a, a federal felony that is massive that is huge there was a grand jury under nixon that named him as you know that basically pointed to him as an unnamed co-conspirator but to have federal prosecutors doing this and have have him to plead guilty on this it's it, that's that's huge. That's it really is unprecedented. But, but Phil, Trump tweeted today, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to two counts of campaign fi- finance violation that are not a crime. He said it's not a crime. And I, that <laughs> President Obama had big campaign finance problems too. <laughs> nothing easily settled. Yes, nothing. I'm, this is just like you forget to sign something, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm banging my head on my microphone, but I have one of those fuzzy things on it so yes. you can't hear it. Yes. So you, you um, tweeted out something earlier today a, uh, an article written by a guy that kind of walked through some of the distinctions here, why it matters that uh, that Trump paid for this and why this is distinct from, you know, the Trump is right that there are every year there are a multitude of campaign fine violations, most are violations, most of which are dealt with small fines and, you know, reparations. What, what is distinct about this? So my understanding, and again, I am not a, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding from the stuff that I've been reading is that there are lots of these campaign finance violations every year. They are typically a civil matter. So the Obama, I think Trump tweeted about Obama doing that. So the Obama administration or the Obama campaign failed to file a disclosure in time at one point, and and they were 48 hours late with doing that or something like that, um, and they had to pay a fine. It's a, that's a civil that's a civil action. It's you, you're, you know, you're given a, a penalty. The reason this is criminal is because they're there. It's not just that they failed to declare something in a certain amount of time. It was that there was essentially foreknowledge and intent, right? So the intention was to cover up this payment. So um, there's all sorts of evidence that shows that you know, Trump was went out of his way to make sure that he didn't have to declare that he was making this payment to Stormy Daniels. Um, because that would look bad. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that's been out on Twitter today, I guess on Fox News, I sent you this as well. On Fox News tonight, there's going to be an interview with Donald Trump and this this clip going around in which he talks about how I paid this back with my money. So it's not a campaign violation because this was my personal money. But a number of legal scholars have been pointing out that is exactly why this is, that's what makes it a federal crime in that, um, it, it's it, it makes sense what Trump is saying, which is that, hey, I paid this with my money. But the, the fact of the matter is that the donation, this payment was made with the intent of benefiting the Trump campaign. So it's it's as if, you know, one hundred thirty thousand dollars to Stormy Daniels would be as if they made one hundred and thirty thousand dollar ad buy. Right. It, the whole point is to benefit the, the Trump campaign and increase his chances of getting elected. If Trump had paid it, if Trump had not personally paid it back, if it had been paid out of the Trump campaign, right, if they had paid for it and declared it, it wouldn't be a criminal act. It would have, you know, maybe there would have been some fines. But Trump saying, I paid for it personally and never disclosed it and didn't. That's what makes it this that he he knew that he was paying this to benefit his campaign, but never actually declared it or disclosed it on any of the it's actually a. 
an admission of, of yes. on I, I could see why he would be confused about that, but he's actually admitting to the <laughs> yes. crime that he's being accused of in this how interview. Do you, how do you prove that though? That it's specifically his intent was to benefit the campaign. That's that's the key because it really is. Well, okay, there, it, I was thinking intent in a different way, but the reason right. intent for the campaign is the proximity to election day. So it's October 2016. Sure, you're paying here, paying her to keep this story down. Right, and and so there's really two explanations. One is I don't want want my wife to find out. Right. The other is I don't want this to impact the campaign, and so there has to be there's likely some documentation. Where they're saying this is for the campaign. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. If there's documentation, then it's an open and shut case. Oh. I'm just saying it seems very. It's. I, I. I don't know. It seems like there's enough plausible deni- If there is no documentation, there's enough plausible deniability. It's circumstantial. It's around that time. I mean the the consequences of this coming out at that time. I. I mean we've seen a lot of things that could have sunk him throughout his his tenure as president that. You know, probably should have that haven't. So I, 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 I find it difficult that that would one hundred percent be deemed a campaign finance violation. I guess. I, I think that I, I mean, this is again, I'm not, I, I'm not one hundred percent clear on this, but I don't, I don't think that. I don't know that intent matters that much in terms of campaign finance. It, it's whether it is a benefit to your, sure. it, you know, not having it come out that you had a long term of or not, not a long term, a one time affair with a porn star. It Not having that come out is is a benefit to your campaign. Right. That's something that whether it's the intention to benefit the campaign or not, it does, in fact, benefit his campaign. If it has an impact, it has to be at least disclosed and and discussed. So I don't know that intention matters so much there. The intention matters in whether or not Trump was intending to cover it up or to hide the, mm-hmm. the payment, not the affair, but he was trying to cover up or hide the payment. I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, but it, it is it is important that Cohen yesterday did say that the purpose of this was for the election. So I think to, to Phil's earlier point, this isn't just to pay off to, to help his marriage. Cohen is sure. saying it was done. I, I did this in coordination at the direction of the candidate, basically Trump, for in relevance to the 2016. So Cohen is that voice saying, hey, we did this because it was October. Sure. And suddenly we thought we could win this election and this could hurt us. He's the voice. Yeah. I just hope they have something more than that to back it up. Well, that may be more important for the impeachment question than necessarily for the the crime. Because it feels right that the, the law, I don't think, matters on intent. It just matters where that, that campaign is coming from. I, I'm sorry, where the money is from, coming from. And if it's coming from the individual, that's in clear violation. If it was coming from the campaign, it's also in violation. Uh, it's just worse if it's from his own pockets. Isn't that a little fucked up in itself? Well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the Not idea to is to poke holes in this. But there are limitations to what each individual can give to a campaign, and right. so if you're paying of money, hush money, that that is you know a significant amount, and I think it's over twenty five thousand dollars where it gets into the <clears throat> the more serious federal criminal activity. But again, he's well, like giving it to the campaign. No, right. he's he's given it to the porn star. But, right, <laughs> so. right. But that so so the the analogy is that if if I'm running for or if Bill's running for office, um, I can give money to his campaign, mm-hmm. or I can just buy an ad like a massive ad campaign on my own, which is which is contributing to his campaign. So it, this is where Trump has kind of screwed himself over in the past. This is I, I wonder how much of this was. Uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to see how all this played out in the in a in a bigger timeline. 
Um, Trump has changed his story about this over the past six months, right? Originally, it was, I didn't know about this. Um, this was done without my knowledge. And then it, it came out that he did, in fact, know about it. And then it came out that he, you know, he changed his story to, I knew about it and I repaid it. But that was an after the fact sort of thing because they were worried about campaign finance stuff. If he had never said any of that, like he's out insisting today that I paid it back, I paid it back. If he had never known about it and if he had never paid it back, then Michael Cohen's on the hook for right. a campaign finance because he made a, a contribution for, you know, greater than he's legally allowed to. The fact that Donald Trump paid it back is what makes him a co-conspirator in this situation. Yes. It's what it shows that he has knowledge of it. And and they, you know, the fact that there's, you know, Michael Cohen has a tape. You remember we talked about this a couple yes, of weeks ago right. about talking, you know, uh, recording this conversation between he and Donald Trump about how to pay off. Um, I don't remember if that was McDougal or if that was Stormy Daniels that that one was about. But yeah, they yeah, have these conversations in which are they the same person. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's two women. <laughs> what? Oh, so all right. Let's let's think about this. So. He has been named as a co. He hasn't. Been. He's basically, like you said, an unnamed co-conspirator. And a lot of the legal analysis today was suggesting that if he wasn't the president in any other investigation, that he, that the individual who is a co-conspirator would be indicted almost immediately. And I, I think undoubtedly that's the yes. case. And, and you're hearing this from across the board. Lawyers are saying, yeah, absolutely. This this would soon but follow. The Justice Department has the policy that you can't indict a sitting president. Exactly. <laughs> so so we're not expecting the Justice Department or uh, you know the, the New York uh, district. Nobody's going to indict him. The question is, does that legal conversation lead to a political conversation? Should we be start? I mean, obviously, I think the conversations about impeachment are going to quickly bubble up here. Uh, do we think this goes anywhere? Can I, can I, yeah. I want to get to that, but can I step back a step sure. first? Yes. Because I want to talk about this aspect that a sitting president can't be indicted. Yeah. <laughs> because I this is kind of weird to me. I, there, there's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious about what your take is on this. So. This has become the Trump administration response. So Sarah Sanders today repeatedly, yeah. when asked about stuff, her defense was the president hasn't been. Yeah, I forget what her quote was. Hasn't been indicted or hasn't been charged. Or, yes. Um, which that when the policy is that you can't charge the president, that I haven't been charged becomes a pretty shitty, thin defense. <laughs> it's but that's different than I'm innocent. But I don't, what, that seems a little weird to me. I understand, um, you know, within international law, there's discussions of sovereign immunity and that when you're the president, you're not just acting in your own behalf. You're acting in behalf of a country. And, and I, I get that to some extent. But that protects stuff you do while in office. This was done before office. The, the Department of Justice um, memos that go back 20 years or so, um, basically their, their argument is that they're not going to indict a sitting president because he's head of the Justice Department and mm -hmm. there's some level of conflict of interest. Is that, that seems weird to me. I mean, our, our whole Constitution is structured on this idea of no one is above the law. It seems weird to me to say that someone, just because they're president, is essentially above the law. Do you do you do you have a problem? I mean, you can get to an argument about separation of powers and that they're not above the law. If Congress impeaches them, they can be prosecuted at that point. But I, I don't know. I, there's, there's something weird about that. How do you, do you have a this is a fascinating question because it, actually we should clear something up. So there is the Justice Department uh, rule or norm where they say they're not going to right. indict a president. It's not a 
standing policy. Exactly. That's distinct from what the Constitution says. And the Constitution is, is not necessarily clear on this. And uh, did you get your beer open, Phil? We're like five minutes in, and I'm already on second beer. That's, <laughs> that's good. That's bad. good. No. So, so the Constitution is unclear on the matter, and the Supreme Court has not necessarily weighed in on this. Mm-hmm. I will say, if we go back uh, to the investigation of Bill Clinton, uh, Kenneth Starr was prepared to bring a case forward arguing that a sitting president can, in fact, be indicted and that he should be indicted. Now, that never came to pass because of the impeachment process, but there are many legal minds, and they may still be a minority in the community, that say a president absolutely can be indicted. Why this is even more fascinating is that right now we're waiting on the nomination of a Supreme Court justice who has evolved over time, who during the Clinton investigation was very much of the mindset that absolutely we should be able to investigate and charge a president, but over time has shifted to a position where the president should be immune from these investigations. And I think I think his evolution is authentic, but that confirmation is that nomination, the confirmation is sitting out there, which could have real implications for the case. If there was either, if there was a case brought to the Supreme Court right now, um, that doesn't answer your question, Phil. But right. I, I do think that. Well, I don't know. I'm torn on that. Ooh, whether you proceed legally or politically, I guess I would, I would defer to the political first, right? That's false. I don't know. <laughs> no. Well, I, 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 would, yeah, refer, I, I would. I would prefer no, that the Congress intervene. But still reserve the right for the for for the Justice Department to intervene. What, I don't know, Nick. What are you thinking? I, I mean, I the way that this is playing out, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying about the the Supreme Court. The issue with that is you can. This is going to turn into such a divisive, politically motivated, hypocritical kind of. I don't know, grandstanding show that we're yeah. going to see going forward. In the political arena. In the po- yeah. yeah, but I mean, even in the sense of you have people evolve in their understanding and um, position on specific laws that dictate this and policies, you can say the same thing about the Democrats and Republicans who are going to be responsible for bringing forward a motion to impeach. While you have Democrats who were fervently against impeaching Clinton at the time now grandstanding and saying that he should absolutely be impeached for something that you know it's the situation is different but the implications are the same and it's, let me just quickly inter- sure. interrupt uh, and i think you're you're absolutely right there are literally democrats in the congress right now who argued against Clinton's impeachment. At the same point, there are also Republicans in the Senate, Lindsey Graham being one of them, who argued for impeachment. Also correct. And was very clear that impeachment does not have to rise to the level of actual criminal activity. Mm -hmm. He argued for Clinton. It's just that he had disgraced the office. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, Wait, are it's, you saying there are hypocrites in politics? Everywhere. They're all, it's going to be we great. Did it. We exposed it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. But I know that. You're, I mean, you're right. This is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, do you think that hypocrisy is going to slow anyone down? Um, in <laughs> <laughs> Will that prevent them from, you know, saying the exact opposite of what they said? Oh, yeah. They're going to say the exact opposite <laughs> yes. of what they said, and he's not going to get impeached mm-hmm. because of that. It's it, this means realistically, if that motion comes forward in Congress, this is going to go nowhere. Yeah. As long as the Republicans retain retain control of Congress, at the, least the one, Senate, the Senate. Yeah. 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 One of them. Right. Um, 
this it's it's not going to go anywhere. Go ahead. I, no, I agree with you. I, yeah. I am deeply skeptical that anything will happen from this. Mm-hmm. But that is insane, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, is what impeachment was set up for, right? The president was mentioned in a criminal, you know, in a in an official document named as a criminal co-conspirator in a federal crime, and and you know, and that's just that's just well, that's not getting into any of the other, sure. you know, obstruction of justice or you know whatever else, and. I, the fact that there's just seemingly silence from Republicans and and in my mind, almost silence from I mean, there is not silence from Democrats, but they're not as worked up about it as like, this is this is huge what has happened in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, well, it seems like everybody had sort of taken this into account already. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like, <laughs> well, this is surprise. This is like huge. But yeah, you know, what do you expect? Especially when you think about it, and oftentimes we get caught in the weeds, and even in our discussion, we're down in the weeds. But if you step back a bit, what happened here is that the president paid off a model and a porn star who he had affairs with. so that While he, his wife was pregnant. Right. During the presidential campaign so that he could get elected. An incredibly close presidential election it's it's uh, we can't we can't say that it is but it's possible it was individual one who did this we have no idea who that person was so 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 when you compare that not not to say like what clinton i mean clinton you know perjured himself that's bad uh watergate was about a break-in but in terms of like bad stuff this is up there well, uh, so and and if if you just gave that as a blind hypothetical, what if the president did this? I would think if I propose this to my class, they would say, "Yeah, that's impeachable." So. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, if you if you took all labels off of mm-hmm. it and didn't put party labels on it and just presented this scenario to people about you know whether a president should face ramifications, they wouldn't or believe it. People wouldn't they, believe it. <laughs> they would say that's a stupid example. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you tie it back into the, you know, this, this, a lot of the defense has been that this didn't, and Trump's defense was, I think, at the rally that, that, um, this has nothing to do with Russia. Right. Right. No, no collusion. No collusion. Show me the collusion. <laughs> I love it. Which technically is true, but the whole point of, like, the, the, the scandal around the collusion question was about Russian interference in an election and whether or not essentially outside players, altered the election in unfair ways, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what Michael Cohen pled guilty to yesterday, which was altering an election in unfair ways, right? He broke the rules of elections. Whether you think the rules are stupid or not is, is beside the point. There are rules about how you spend money and how much you can spend and all of that. And the rules were broken in order to benefit a particular candidate, right? And in this case, the candidate was involved in that. So <laughs> Donald Trump ordered this this uh, sort of interference in an election, right, to his benefit. And so the, the core of the question about Russian interference is about whether or not in some way someone came in and put their finger on the scales and helped tip the, the outcome of the election. And that's still, you know, we're, the Mueller investigation is still looking into this. But this particular situation, which had been referred by Mueller out, this was not a Mueller process that the Cohen um, uh, counts came down on. Um, that's essentially what Cohen admitted to is putting his finger on the scale at the at the order of the president himself. Forget just take the Russians out of it. This is a Trump ordered thing. And so, I mean, it, it's I 
and it's an, I, an important point that I think you're hitting on, Phil, is that there are I, I see three legal problems for Trump right now. One is the Russia collusion issue. That's one legal front, and that's being held uh, taken up by Mueller. The second one is the obstruction of justice, also Mueller. But mm-hmm. Cohen is a third and distinct one, and it's right. not related to Russia. I mean, this is not at all connected to Russia. This is Trump engaging in criminal, potentially criminal behavior regarding the election. I am guessing that Cohen may have more to say and that Trump may have engaged in a more illegal activity completely separate from Cohen in terms of his own business activities. That would also fall in this third category. And so if I'm thinking about impeachment, I think at this point we – even though Trump is maybe deserving of impeachment, I don't think we've hit that tipping point yet. But Cohen, there may be another shoe to drop, and there may be multiple yeah. shoes to drop, mm-hmm. uh, in, in which case we could quickly shift towards an impeachment where Republicans, and I think you're right, Nick, at this point Republicans won't move. But if there's more and more to come, right. they their hand may be forced. So was I, it? Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. No, you can go ahead. No, was it was it you guys that sent me this, or did I just see a news alert that Cohen um, received? Yes. A, was yep. it an indictment or a subpoena? From, subpoena, subpoena from State of New York about what was it? About? There's an investi- ongoing investigation into the Trump organization. Right. So um, now and, we have backstory fill in, which will be right. that's really not so. Close. I mean, that's I think where you're right, Bill. There, there absolutely will be more to come out of this. Cohen, for whatever reason is pissed at Trump, right? Like if you've listened For whatever to his, reason, yes. If, well, he's if a bad lawyer, to, and you yes. shouldn't retain his services. <laughs> if you listen to Lanny Davis, the, the Cohen's attorney, talk over the last, you know, 12 hours, um, it, you know, it's 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 pointed. Like, he's, he, we're going to, like, it's it's really a big middle finger to Trump. Yes. But, but this is where the, you know, there was not a cooperation deal that was tied into this, um, guilty plea that Cohen that's that important Kel- yes it, but that doesn't mean that there isn't cooperation or there won't yes. be cooperation so Cohen can still by cooperating with Mueller by other investigations can have his sentence reduced a sentence that has already been reduced dramatically because he's looking to serve what five to six years in, in federal prison for mm-hmm. something that yeah. could have been up to 65 years in prison so I think um, there, you know, he's likely to cooperate. They have they have been signaling. His attorney has been signaling his willingness to cooperate with Mueller and with other investigations. This is an example where now that he has pled guilty, he doesn't face um, as much legal jeopardy himself by going. So he can now be subpoenaed into these other investigations, and by pleading guilty, he, you know, there were um, when he testified before the Senate. They he wanted some level of immunity from the Senate for what he said, and they were not willing to give it to him. That becomes a mood issue now. He doesn't need immunity because he's his his legal fate has been determined on these. So I think all sorts of doors have opened up. I think this is not the last you're going to hear of Michael Cohen. And I think that he's he's going to be a big thorn in the side for Trump. You had said I remember, I, I don't know, a couple of months ago when the Stormy Daniels stuff was coming out. I feel like you had said something about whether Stormy Daniels was going to be the downfall of Trump. And we scoffed at you. But in some ways, it, this might, in fact, be this opens the door for uh, Stormy Daniels lawsuit to go forward sure. and, and lead to the, you know, the um, the my mind's gone blank because I'm a beer and a half in what the. Um, <laughs> Stormy Daniels' attorneys can basically interview the president. Why? Why can't I? Think Michael um, Avenatti. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I. First of all, that can't be true because you can't be right. <laughs> well, I, I, 
I still think that the, there's a greater chance that Stormy Daniels or Amorosa will bring down Trump just mm-hmm. because the irony is so wonderful than uh, any kind of Russian collusion. They all may be true. Um, yeah, it, the, the fascinating thing about the plea deal, the, so there's no cooperation agreement. Which, if there was a cooperative agreement, which I think many of us were expecting, that that Cohen would take a deal, he would flip. He didn't flip. You know, he basically accepted. Now, that they may have... He, he is <laughs> openly saying, yeah. I'll flip, I'll flip. <laughs> yes. Yeah, his attorney. Yeah. But, okay, yes. Okay. All of that may be true. <laughs> but there is no... Usually there's a cooperative agreement. Sure. And you get a cooperative agreement so that the defendant gets some, you know, help. He's not getting any help. And this is, I would argue, to the detriment of the Trump administration, because if there was a cooperative agreement, they could come back and say, hey, look, this guy was looking at life in jail and he took a deal. There's no deal to take. Basically, he just said, yeah, I'm, I'm a criminal. I'm guilty. Oh, by the way, you know, Trump is also a criminal. This is worse for the Trump administration. And I think the the ripple effect of everything that Cohen knows is going to be awful Uh, and it's not going to go away. So let's go back to your question yeah. that I derailed earlier, which oh, was about whether, yes. whether or not anything <laughs> comes of this in terms of impeachment, whether there's any sort of political shift. Um, what do you what do you think? At this point, I don't think I think the Democrats. So I would say Trump is deserving of impeachment. I, I think he's des- deserving of being removed from office, not just for this, but there's a whole host of things. We could pick and choose what is was grounds for impeachment. If if the Democrats are strategic, they won't impeach with what they have now they have i would wait of course you can't do there's got to be there's got to be more it's got to be then it, yeah it, yeah it, you want to talk about witch hunt that really looks like a witch hunt yes at that point. now why this matters is for the midterm election so if i if i am nancy pelosi i am telling all of my democratic candidates i'm sorry it's okay <laughs> to, to not bring this up to not talk impeachment uh because republicans can use this against you just mm-hmm. to sort of say no, no no we're running on the issues run against trump don't run on impeachment. Um, ultimately, we may get there, but I would say there there needs to be, politically there should be more. Uh, but I mean, e- even in that sense, regardless of whether or not they run on it now, they in some way have been running on that for the past several months, pretty much for his entire presidency at this point. I, it's the division is enough where it's not you know hashtag not my president and something needs to be done about this and he's you know not the leader that we need they're running on that platform yes so there's only so much wiggle room that you have right if you don't have a preponderance of influence in that system so even if they take back the house at that point it's still a giant just quagmire that they're going to have to wade through to actually get something like that pushed through but if you're thinking, if you're a Democrat thinking about strategy right now, and you want to appeal they to don't the, do that, I'm sorry, <laughs> correct, to independents or moderate conservatives who are frustrated with Trump, they may be turned off by talk of impeachment. Whereas if you just say we're not happy with Trump is doing, that's a different say. You know, we're not happy with Trump. We, you know, we don't like what he's doing. We're not talking about impeachment unless something else comes. And and again, I th- I think that's a better strategy for the Democrats than to run on we're going to get the run this guy into office. I don't know, man. I I yeah. think it's it's devolved to the point where okay, yeah, he did. There were some missteps, and you know this. 
the whole thing. He did pay for it with his money, and, you know, that'll confuse people. But he didn't do anything to me specifically. So if your constituents are saying that, and there's no political capital for you to go along with that, why, why, why would you do that? Why would you complicate the process that you have in place right now to make some sort of moral, you know, kind of, you know, a politically righteous point that you don't really, you don't really have to make. I, in I terms mean, of being, that being impeachment. We've talked about yeah. it. It's, you know, it's, it's opposition politics at yeah. this point. There, oh, it, yeah. There's not a lot of middle ground when you talk about the Democrats and Republicans in Congress right now. There, I, I mean, there's no compromise whatsoever, as far sure. as we can tell. So why wouldn't you continue to play both sides against each other and use the power that you have to stop that from going forward to make the process even more uncomfortable for yourselves later. You mean you're thinking about Democrats pushing impeachment? Or... Yeah, or Republicans avoiding impeachment. Well, if I'm a Demo- if, if I'm the Democratic Party, I want turnout on the Republican side to be down. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're thinking, if, if the Democrats, if Nancy Pelosi is running with an impeachment sign, that's going to turn out Republicans. And so I think if the Democrats are smart, they will tamp down talk of impeachment unless there's more to come. If there's if there's additional information, then I think that changes everything. But where we are right now that and again, I study international politics. I I don't know, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't um, you know, based on just yesterday, I don't think that impeachment proceedings are imminent. I think they should be. I think this is what impeachment was created for. but I feel I kind of feel like yesterday was a was I think looking back on it, yesterday is going to be momentous. I, I think that it is a tipping point. I think I may I may be totally wrong on this. And maybe in you know two years when Trump re, wins reelection, we'll look back at this and laugh. But I feel like I feel like yesterday was like the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. I, I, it just feels significant. And I don't think that necessarily the stuff yesterday itself is going to do it but i think this is the tip of the iceberg i think the cohen stuff's gonna you know manafort now had there's you know we Mueller has lots of leverage on manafort we haven't even talked about the white house council cooperating with Mueller. i i just i feel like you know based on the the limited stuff we know right now i don't know that anything huge is going to happen but i feel like i i don't know i just feel like things it's it's again the beginning of a shift that I, I I think is going to end up having significant implications for the Trump administration. One thing that struck me, and we're we're having this conversation a day after, so we're having this conversation on Wednesday. There, the the, the Trump supporters, there's not a clear pushback, and in some ways, Twitter has Twitter and social media has been relatively quiet. There's not a clear justification for what happened there's not a lot of pushback i mean trump has had a few tweets but i'm surprised how quiet things have been which makes me think that they're either still thinking about a strategy or waiting for that cue from the administration this is how we're going to confront this but it has been it has been quiet and that suggests that they're searching for how do we move forward but where it has been quiet is the people that i, I mean the american people have not been quiet about it they've they've picked their sides at this point yes absolutely so i i again well, i i absolutely agree proceedings probably should go forward at this point will they go forward and is popular opinion going to support that 
as widely as a lot of people think it will? No, not in any way, shape, or form, in my I, opinion. I, I think it doesn't take as big of a swing as we imagine. I, the 40% who love Trump are going to stay in love with Trump. But it's that other. So I think the the vocal crowd, the the people who show up at Trump rallies, Fox News, they're going to be all in for Donald Trump. Right. But I think that I have a I I have a lot of faith in conservatives in America. Like I yeah. know lots of conservatives, who are I I think you know this you all the loud voices are saying Trump's great, Trump's great. This is a witch hunt. But I there I think there are a lot of people who are sitting back thinking. This is this is not a witch hunt, right? This guy's right. corrupt. This is the mm -hmm. sort of thing that the Republican Party has stood against for years. And I think at some point that group of the of Republicans are going to start to get fed up. And a few of them are, you know, it just takes a, a group to kind of coalesce. And I maybe I'm being sort of naively optimistic about things, but I really feel like this again is this is the president being a unnamed co-conspirator in a federal in a felony is that i mean that's i think there are a lot of republicans who may not be publicly you yes. know officials within the Senate who may not be publicly saying things but who are behind closed doors talking about what the hell do we do about this I and mean, i and i at yeah. some point it's going to become clear that sticking with trump is going to do more damage to the party than breaking from him at some point and i i don't maybe that won't come for a long time but i i still i feels it feels like yesterday something kind of clicked. I don't know. I think that's a really important point because there are a lot of Republicans who are disgusted by what Trump has done. But politically, they can't they can't move against him. And I understand that. Right. I mean, you know, if the choice is between giving power back to Nancy Pelosi or sticking with Trump. You're, if you're a Republican, you stick with Trump. But you are so upset about what he's doing. And in many ways, you're looking for that excuse to move on. And you're hoping it rises to that tipping point. And I'm not sure we got to it yesterday, but I think you're right, Phil, that this may be the beginning of the end where there's more to come. And so Republicans are certainly having conversations right now about if there is more to come, how do we respond to this? Nixon-esque, where they bring it to him and say, you've got a choice to resign or we're impeaching. Uh, and and we're not there, but it it wouldn't take that much more uh, to even, get to that point. Even if you think that all politicians are self-interested, I still think there is some point where self-interest says the best thing for me and my party is to distance myself from this guy who's going down in flames. Yes, I, don't know I, I think Fox anymore. News makes that much harder than it used yes. to be. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no Fox News with Richard Nixon. Like Fox News last night was talking about the murder of uh, Molly Tibbetts. Yes. Is that yeah. her name in yeah. Iowa? So, you know, I, yeah. that that certainly changes the way this plays out. But I, I still think there's there's only so long you can kind of deny the 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 stuff going on. I I think we'll we'll see if if yeah. that actually happens and and there is some sort of fundamental shift then I have hope in the system that we have in place right now. If yeah. not, then we're really fucking screwed. <laughs> and, and I will say so, we should maybe take a quick yes. break to talk about beers before we get that. to that. I will say I turned on AM radio today just for a short period of time to see what was going on cuz everybody's talking about this. And there was a, a caller who called up and said and it was clearly a Trump supporter who said, "You know what? You know, clearly this is illegal, but I don't 
blame Trump. It's Cohen, right? You know, Trump was just looking to Cohen for legal advice, and if he suggested this was okay, I can't blame blame the president. So he was, it, he was worried about his diet coke. Right? He didn't know what the hell was going on. So if that mentality prevails, I don't think I don't think there's a serious threat for Trump. But I, I my hope is that there that will not be yeah. the mentality. That's a good tie into the to the Don McGahn story. That, that is true. All us. right, yeah. let's, let's so let's do talk beers because we're yeah. we're in we're in a couple beers already. Phil, yeah. what are you drinking? Uh, the first beer I had tonight was a Bell's Porter. Bell's oh, out of Comstock, Bell's Michigan. You know them? Delicious. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't know Bell's? I, I'm from New Hampshire. I don't know what they, oh. <laughs> I don't know about Michigan <laughs> yeah. beers. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. Oberon, I think, is their that, big one. Okay. Now it's clicking, Nick. Yeah. Yes. Now I remember. Yeah. Which, yeah. Their, their stuff is really, really good. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Th- this was really good. I don't, I don't drink a whole lot of porters and i don't know why every time i have one i'm always pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. and this was an example i don't know that i can get into like the nuances of the flavor and and whatnot but it's just i don't i don't know it's like tastes like what a beer should taste like it's like malty <laughs> and it's you know it's got all it's I, the dark beer i always expect them to be heavy and they're always so much better than i expect bell's porter was really good i i will drink that again I quickly moved on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to a spot in Oktoberfest. So all the Oktoberfest beers are coming out now, yeah. even though it's still August. And so uh, I grabbed an Oktoberfest, and it, it was an Oktoberfest beer, you know, kind of golden in color and yeah. has that generic German beer feel to it. And, and it was it was fine. Um, it's not, not particularly memorable to me, but it was it was good. There was no bells. It was no bells. <laughs> so Nick and I, we were drinking Three Floyds, and my my neighbor Matt across the street uh, is a big beer guy, and he went to Three Floyds and sent me a text and said, do you want beer? And I said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so Nick, do you, do you have the bottle for the uh, first one? It's oh, it's over by me. I'm it's sorry. Fine. Okay. No, it's fine. Let me just reach out and grab it. So our first bomber was... Uh, so we had an Arctic Panzer Wolf, which is an Imperial uh, India Pale Ale, um, which... Look on here. Uh, dry and stupendously hopped, medium-bodied Imperial India Pale Ale brewed with Canadian two-row malt, dextrose sugar, and lots of American hops and spirit. A- anyways. Um, yeah, it was it was really pungent. <laughs> Especially for those first couple sips. Yeah, it punched you right in yeah. the face. Which, uh, realist, I... I I go back and forth, especially in India or um, uh, Imperial IPAs. Um, this one wasn't as pronounced as a lot of them that we've had previously. Um, yeah, and, and it mellowed out as you you had a little bit more of it. Um, yeah, it, it 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 was good. I like even now I'm onto another beer, yeah. but I can't really remember any specific notes that stood out you know it is you know for your ipa it had the citrusy it had it was like really really hoppy Mm -hmm. very intense right away um it was it was okay and then right after that i switched to a zombie dust which is so good it is and i and i just like oh zombie dust way better (laughs) i was like i was trying to decide whether i liked that first one and as soon as i had the sip of zombie dust i was like it's an okay beer but it's not zombie dust good yeah. so um yeah so solid you know three floyds does good stuff and they try different you know they're appealing to different audiences but i zombie dust was way yeah way, they way make better. so yeah. many good things yeah this yeah, yeah this wasn't on the top of the list not yeah. bad but sure yeah, just not there all right so sad so let's return <laughs> where, where are we on time right now? So we're we're good. Yeah, we, we got like twenty we, minutes. Yeah, we can just keep going. Got twenty minutes. We can keep going. So, do you want to talk more about? We haven't talked about Manafort. We haven't, we haven't talked about McGann. Phil, give us some direction. 
Well, we, we got to talk about both, but we yeah. might as well go to Manafort if sure. we're talking about people going to jail. Yeah, like, he's, he's <laughs> definitely going to jail. <laughs> Did you hear about the no socks thing, by the way? Do you Why they didn't do that? What? No socks? I don't know. What are you so talking about? When he wasn't, the courtroom drawing. Yeah. yeah. When, when he oh, wasn't yes, wearing yeah. socks. Yeah. So he, <laughs> I guess in jail, they were giving him white socks to wear with his suit, and he didn't want to do that, so he just went without socks. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably some chafing, though, don't you think? Because I mean, he's... well, it's a very, it's a very um, yacht look. So I'm assuming his feet were used to it. He probably has those fancy you... shoes those with this supple leather shoes. that doesn't, yeah. you know, hit your Achilles at all. You spend a significant amount of your life worrying about chafing, though. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> all right, so Manafort was found guilty on eight of the ten. That was eight of the eighteen. Oh, that's right. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. You're right. Guilty counts 10 mistrial. Yes, mistrial. Some are suggesting this means that he's basically innocent because a majority of the, you know, the charges. Right. That time you were convicted of, uh, you were charged with 18 murders, but only convicted of 18, of eight. Yeah. You were like, hey, I'm vindicated, right? He's, so, so Manafort has to be looking at this as a win, right? <laughs> I, the, the, the weird thing to me is that I... This was not that surprising to me, this no. verdict. It wasn't surprising to me that there were some that they couldn't come to a decision on. It certainly wasn't surprising that they found him guilty on eight counts. But it seems to be surprising to people in the Trump camp. The Trump administration, there were lots of reports yesterday that seemed that, that indicated that they were hoping for or expecting a positive verdict in this so that they could use that as a, an attack against the Mueller investigation. Right. A lot of people have indicated that that Manafort himself, his sort of smug confidence throughout this trial and his unwillingness to to strike a deal came from this belief that he, there was no way he was going to be convicted. But that that's that that's, that's kind of mind boggling. <laughs> yes. Right. right. Yes. This, this is a big this is a this is a big win for Mueller. Right. It, it was a big win and it was a must win. He had to. I think that's. He, you know, he if if Mueller didn't get convictions here, it was going to be awfully difficult to move forward. And I think they would have moved forward, but it would have it would have been emboldened Trump for his attacks. Um, yeah, no, no, I think this was this was this was really really significant. The other thing is in terms of sentencing, so the federal guidelines for sentencing are kind of complicated, but it's not going to. What I hear today is it's not going to matter all that much in terms of overall jail time for Manafort. Uh, if he was convicted on all of them or some of them, like the ones that he was convicted on will be about the same time as if he was convicted of all of them, which to me was a bit surprising. Mm. Yeah. I, um, it's, um, God, now I lost my train of thought. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody was surprised by, you know, tax and bank fraud. Yeah. Um, He's a criminal. What I, I think the jurors were getting hung, uh, hung up on was the registering as a foreign agent question. No, that's the next trial. No, was it? Was it? I think that's the next one, isn't it? I it may have been both. I think it's both. the next one. Was it the next one? It, it may it, actually the elements may have been both because part of what he was sure doing. Both. Yeah. I will say the big the the Washington one coming up is like central to that element. But I think you're right that it was it was involved in this one too. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut up before I get too. No. Far no. No. Into no. This. Yeah, maybe it was the next one. Hold on. So I'm take a sip of this. Wait. Well, the, this, these were not. I mean, part of what um, Trump's response has been, or the Trump people people close to Trump has been that this the things that Manafort was convicted of happened before his interactions with Trump they're not yeah. directly related to mm -hmm. Russia all of that stuff uh it, do they have a point he's go ahead no I, I, I mean you 
no, go ahead, please. Because, I, I, I mean, I'm going to go down the road of plausible deniability and, you know, it's circumstantial of his connections with sure. Russia and Ukraine and people that have connections there. I am sympathetic to the argument that if Manafort had just been engaging in his criminal activity separate from the Trump campaign and presidency, he probably wouldn't be charged. But that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be charged with criminal activity, right? Of I mean, it was it was the Mueller investigation that drew them to his criminal behavior. And once you know about that, you have to prosecute that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know I, I I think even Trump's defense. What was Trump's? I have it here. He tweeted about Manafort today. So Trump's which tweet, is, which is insane. Oh, it is. All right. So Trump's tweet this He's afternoon, Wednesday guy. afternoon. I feel very badly for Paul Manafort and his wonderful family. Justice, in quotes, took a 12-year-old case, among other things, applied tremendous pressure on him, and, unlike Michael Cohen, he refused to, quote, break, make up stories in order to get a deal. Such respect for a brave man. So before we even get (laughs) into the substance of it, can we talk about how insane that is? Oh, yeah. That the president is tweeting about a man who was convicted of eight federal charges yesterday. And the president is tweeting out praise for him because he didn't break and cooperate with federal prosecutors. That's crazy. The president whose job (laughs) is to uphold the laws of the the country. Ever read out your friends and always keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, Nick. This week, Trump used the word rat. And refer to John Dean of of Watergate family in a rats. tweet, right? Who 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 does that? Who calls people rats? Who who's a mob well, boss and says, "Hey, don't break! You're you're a good man." You know, people who are from you know fake mob bosses, quote yeah. unquote, are people who quote unquote had attachments to the mob in New York, like Trump <laughs> thinks he does. It's just so, it's just ridiculous. I heard a lawyer this week who said something like, "Nope, nobody uses the word rat anymore. Like, not even the criminals. They don't even talk about rats. No, and we, <laughs> we do it like I do. And you do yes. it from movie lines from other yes. people's work. So, even though these charges aren't directly related to Russia, they they are very real criminal charges yeah. that he's been charged with. He still faces other charges. Um, and and also, this is a lot of people are saying this is a win for Mueller because if you wanted leverage with Manafort, if you want to get him to cooperate, he hasn't. If he hasn't cooperated, we don't we don't exactly know. Maybe he hasn't been offered options to cooperate. But if he has and he's refused, the the prospect of going to jail for the rest of your life allows Mueller to put more pressure on him. Um, with all of that said, do you think so? Donald Trump's tweets. Some people are interpreting as a lifeline to 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 uh, Manafort, yeah. right? This is him essentially saying, you know, screw you, Cohen, for flipping on me, and and Manafort's a good guy, you know, hold out for a little while until after the November elections or whatever, and we'll we'll you know there'll there'll be a pardon coming for you. Do you do you see that tweet in which he's praising Manafort? Is that just that reactionary Trump in which hey? You know, Cohen was disloyal. Manafort was loyal, so I'll praise. Or do you think there's actually some strategy behind that? Is he sending a message to Manafort? I mean, I put money on it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I bet on that one pretty hard. Oh, predict it. <laughs> predict it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to get on whether Manafort. They may already have this. Whether Manafort gets a partner or not. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's on there. I'm pretty sure I put a few dollars on that. Oh, um, I I think I, I agree with Nick. I think yes, it was a signal, <laughs> but. He can't pardon Manafort, can he? I mean, there's there's, there's no way. If Physically you are, or okay, politically? Politically. <laughs> I mean, he may pardon. If, if Trump pardons Manafort, 
doesn't the Senate, I mean, doesn't the House, and then this doesn't matter if it's all Republican, don't they instantly have to impeach him? I mean, that's oh, that's Bill. a bridge too far. <laughs> I mean, no, you're, you are, yes, you are both right. And also, how many times have we said that over the last year? This is, this is different, though, right? I mean, this is, is another it? level. This is how a... many times have we said this yeah. is different? <laughs> it's we kind of start making montages of this shit that we can just uh, play every time. This it's happens. it's one thing if it's the Access Hollywood tape. It's another right. thing if you are pardoning a convicted felon who I just I I, I think you're right. He's sending signals. He's going to pardon him. But I can't imagine Don McGahn will resign. There would be a mass exodus if he if he moves to pardon Manafort. I just I I, I don't know. It, does, it means he's probably going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, put I your think bets you're now. Right. Like, normal, you know, in in non Bizarro world, yes, in in real Earth, right? This is how it would play out. <laughs> God, if he pardons Manafort, his former campaign director. Um, after going down on eight charges, uh, you know, uh, for fear that he's going to cooperate with the Mueller investigation, absolutely that leads yeah. to impeachment. But, I, but I, I mean, I still wonder to some extent. Again, back to kind of what we were talking about with Cohen, I, I, I feel like there's not going to be with Trump a tipping point in the kind of classic sense. It's not like you know, boom, there's that one thing that led to everything coming down. I feel like. All of this stuff kind of starts piling on mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, even even if these little things make incremental changes in people's attitudes towards Trump, when you add them all up, when it's the Cohen stuff and if he does pardon Manafort and, you know, all of that stuff starts to pile up in a way that I think you get to a point where, again, 40 percent of Americans may be, you know, Trump do or die till the end. That was the case with Nixon as well. But I, I, I can't help but feel like all of this stuff starts to have a cumulative effect in some way. Maybe. I hope that it has some sort of cumulative. Me too. I we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so we have like ten minutes left. Should we go to to McGann a yeah, little bit? Because yeah, yeah. uh, that's that's also fascinating. It, yeah. Had had yesterday not happened, the Don uh, not is it what's his first it's name? Don. Don yeah, McGann. Don McGann. That would have been that, and we probably won't even talk about the Brennan story. Would have been the stories of the week, mm-hmm. right? So the the story that broke is that he gave testimony to the special counsel three sessions, thirty hours. The Trump administration was caught completely off guard with this. Uh, Didn't somebody asked where Don was at some point right, for thirty Don? hours. I don't know. <laughs> Mueller picked him up. I assumed they were going to get hot dogs. And and the the New York Times suggested that Don McGahn was concerned that. Trump was going to throw him under the bus. And so that was part of what precipitated him to have these full conversations. And the Trump administration, given the sort of lack of real, uh, not integrity, but competence, didn't follow up to ask what you talked, what they talked about. This, And this is apparently freaking Trump, Trump out now. This is part of his, As it his bizarre behavior. Yes. Yeah, so you, you think this should freak him out, Phil? Yes. I, yeah. I've seen a number of people who have talked talked about how if if Mueller could have one witness on his side, like the person that he would pick would be the White House counsel, would be Don McGahn. So, I mean, to, just to step back, I think for people who may not be all that familiar with this, the, the White House counsel, so you have two of Trump's lawyers in the news this week, Michael Cohen, who is essentially Donald Trump's personal attorney, right? Yeah. Um, who he has others, right? Rudy Giuliani and these other people are also serving as attorneys. But the White House counsel is the attorney essentially for the executive, for the for the pres- the office of the presidency. So he is there to advise Trump on sort of the legal issues as it relates to the presidency itself. So 
that's Don McGann. He plays the, he plays this role. Um, it's important to also note that during the Watergate crisis, John Dean, who was the White House counsel, ended up going to prison for for obstruction of justice yes. for stuff he did in the Watergate crisis. So Don McGahn, the sort of advisor to Donald Trump, um, the legal advisor to the White House, has um, been caught up in this whole process, has been involved in all of this from the beginning, decisions to fire Comey, all of this stuff. He's there for and, all of it. Yes, and has had advice on all of this stuff. And his advice from the beginning was to not cooperate with the Mueller investigation. Not out of like a personal argument. I mean, part of it was about like implications for the presidency and for future presidents and all sorts of stuff. And he was largely ignored. And so all of a sudden, Trump starts telling McGahn that he should go talk to Mueller. He should cooperate <laughs> with Mueller. And I thought this was fascinating. You and I, you know, we talked a little bit about this, Bill, how the, the argument or as McGahn's perceived it was Trump telling McGahn to go talk to Mueller. His fear was that he was going to get pinned with all of this stuff that McGahn goes in and basically says, yes, I advise the president to you know, do X, Y, and Z in the firing of James Coney. And then Donald Trump can say that anything that was done illegally was advised by Don McGahn. He's <laughs> yes, the bastard. Yes. He's the one. So Don McGahn's response was screw this. I'm not going down for this guy. I'm going to do whatever I can. Not to necessarily rat out Donald Trump, but I'm going to talk to the special counsel and tell them my version of things in a way that, you know, doesn't implicate me. That's really bad if you're Donald Trump, if you have obstructed justice, if yes. you like did you know, knowingly talk to your special counsel about how to to bring down the Russia investigation or whatever. That's not good if you're essentially attorney is trying to cover their own ass. One of the things that came out this week from a number of anonymous sources within the White House is that they say is Don McGahn writes everything down. They say that's not at every meeting. He's the guy like, <laughs> you know, frantically writing in 30 hours. I bet Don McGahn brought his notes with and they may have gone through some of those, mm -hmm. which has to terrify Trump because you're right. That is a real record. And if I am Don McGahn, I am I am very nobody has loyalty to Trump because Trump isn't loyal right. to anybody. So you you defend yourself. And he did say he didn't say anything that would have implicated the president. But that's there's a lot of wiggle room there for, you know, a special counsel for, you know, pursuing multiple different legal charges well i mean it could be anything yeah I mean, there could be implications for you know his kids mm -hmm. or anyone else that's attached to the administration that has pretty much been immune up until this point yeah if it's someone that has it that is that detailed about their correspondence and and meetings it's that's that's the last thing you want is someone who's meticulous in yeah. that white house right now well, and, and some well, of the other things that have come out is that, you know, the never Trumper group, the never Trumper conservative Republicans have said that Don McGahn is a good man. Like he is he's a Republican. He's a conservative, but he is not a criminal. And there may be this dividing line where you're starting to see the McGahns and others to say, like, I'm not going down with this ship. So to, to Phil's earlier point, even though we may, may not be to impeachment yet, that t tipping point could come really, really quickly. Mm hmm. There's something there's something telling about the fact that so many stories have come out about people 
taking impeccable notes, right? When you're <laughs> the fact that everybody in the Trump administration is going around immediately writing down everything, whether that's Comey or McGahn, whether it's Omarosa, it's Omarosa, <laughs> yes, Cohen recording yes. things, right? All of these secret recordings. That's something about, you know, Trump talks so much about loyalty, but it, it's there's something very apparent to the people around him that is more than loyalty, this sort of cover your ass mentality. And that's ultimately that's got to come back to bite him in some way. In, in many ways, that's the theme for what we've talked about today is like all the president's men. They are not loyal to him right. because he does not inspire loyalty. Mm-hmm. And and I understand why, because they're all they all could potentially go to jail for his indiscretions. He surrounds himself with criminals and the incompetent and a, and a handful of people who really know what they're doing. Well, I don't even know if it's he. Yeah, his management style does not necessarily bring those people in, but yeah. he's running it like a business. It's a cutthroat. Yeah environment where you shouldn't have loyalty you should be the best at what you quote unquote the best at what you do if you're not we're going to get rid of you or we're going to throw you under the bus when something goes wrong unless you're family unless you're family and then (laughs) you know you can do whatever the hell you want you can run the middle east if you want (laughs) i still think there's limits to that at some point we're gonna get there Uh, yeah and i I, you know i've argued before that he's lived his life in business Mm -hmm. and and in business in a way in which there were not ramifications you Mm -hmm. screw up and you declare bankruptcy and you start again but you don't go to jail for you know right. tax violations or whatever and suddenly when the world when all of the you know the 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 brightest light is on you because you're you know in in the the biggest position in in certainly in America if not the world yeah i mean that's that's i i still think that some of the reaction that we see is re, is honest shock or surprise yeah. that there are actually repercussions that they're facing for these things so like when when he tweets out about how cohen pled guilty to stuff that's not even a crime i i think that that's insane logic, but I think that's also partly about like this isn't a real crime, right? right. People don't go to jail for this, yeah. because I think that's the world he comes from. There, there, you know, mm. there were interesting stuff about how Manafort wouldn't be in jail today if he hadn't successfully elected, Donald, helped successfully elect <laughs> right, Donald Trump directly. president, right? So the the success in the political world has led to the downfall of all these other things. Mm. And while Trump has to be freaked out by Cohen, and I think he should be. You know the 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 McGann stuff rattled him this. I think rattled yeah. him to his core. He he responds to Twitter a lot, but fourteen or fifteen tweets about all of this stuff suggests <laughs> that he is really really concerned. And the nature of those tweets. I mean, he was calling. He escalated his attack on Mueller this week, calling you know it's not just a wish witch hunt. He was going national disgrace, McCarthyism. There was a, a an escalation in his rhetoric that uh, is probably going to be ignored because of all the Cohen and Manafort stuff. But we're all of this is pushing toward some, some something. I, <laughs> yes. I I think we're set up for an insane week this week. Yep. I think between the yep. McGahn stuff, the Cohen stuff, the Manafort stuff, Trump was surprisingly quiet. Did you watch the rally at all last night? Yes. It was kind of weird. I mean, it was a rally, but it seemed, he seemed different. And he was apparently like in could, a really foul mood going in. Yeah. There. You could, well, he, he, even like the, he resorted to stuff that clearly was like, you know, his like sense of self and ego was shaken. And so in a West Virginia crowd, he was bragging about how fantastic his luxury condos were, right? Yes. Like, he, he was missing the mark, but I, he was relatively quiet until this morning. He tweeted yeah. out some stuff. I, I really feel like he's going to build up some steam. And later this week, we're going to see some real insanity. 
I think there. I think you're absolutely right. Coming out of Trump, we may also see more coming from the legal front too. Yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mueller drops something later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, should we take next week off? Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm real tired. I, I mean, it, it, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like at some point, all this shit needs to come to an end. It's just out of control at this point. I don't even remember what it was like to have a normal. We, we've this entire podcast has been based around the drama that yeah. is this presidency from day one, which is just baffling to me. And we've never had a slow week. And at some point, I just want to take a week off, not literally, yeah. but just kind of coast through one. <laughs> if the next president is 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 like Eisenhower, what what would we talk about? It'd be so it'd be oh, so man. boring. Oh, yeah, we're gonna get those. yeah. <laughs> this was fun. Oh my. God. God, <laughs> it hurt a little bit. Hey, we didn't even get, I mean, we're out of time, but we didn't even get to Brennan. We didn't get to a whole bunch of other stuff that the happened. security clearance. Yes. Yeah, which uh, is crazy in and of itself. But this was too important. We had to, we had to dive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can we can fill in some. Is sure. Tom with us next week? Next week, yep. Next week is yeah, Tom Cavanaugh, our so, senior legal analyst. Yes, 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 yes. Um, well, maybe we'll find some legal issues to talk about between now. <laughs> yeah, and no, I think we're about done. But. Um, yeah, if you guys like the podcast, um, like us rambling about this for uh, you know over an hour straight, um, send us questions, comments, uh, beer suggestions, anything like that on Twitter at Barstool Paul P O L, uh, Facebook at Barstool Politics, uh, beers that we try you can find on the Untapped app on iOS and Android. Um, the podcast itself you can find on SoundCloud and Google Play Music and Stitcher and most major podcasting platforms. Most of you are listening on iTunes, so review us uh, and uh, share us and like us on there. We appreciate that. Uh, if you weren't here at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we were talking about our partnership with Predict It, uh, which is a real money political uh, prediction market, pretty much a stock market for politics where you can uh, buy shares in certain political events and uh, the, the likelihood of the outcome. Um, if you use the promo link that they were gracious enough to provide us and our listeners, uh, you'll get a uh, $20 credit, uh, up to a $20 credit, uh, if you open up an account, a $20 account. Um, I'm losing my words as time goes on. Um, so we'll put this out on social media, but the promo link is predicted.org slash promo slash barstoolpaul2020. Um, so definitely take advantage of that. Um, you know, deposit twenty dollars and you'll get twenty dollars in free money, which is and it's super. Helpful. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You're, yeah, you won't regret it. So yeah, yeah. Um, anything else that we haven't talked about? No. So many things. We're, so we're, many we're, things. Next week. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. Cheers. See ya. Cheers, guys. Cheers.